What kind of finale would this be if we didn't start with the big guns, leaving Alistair without a word until the sun rises on another day? The day, in fact. Just the thought of it contains such astonishing cruelty. It actually leaves a faint taste of guilt on the back of my tongue. Reminding myself that this is the last time we'll be riding the merry-go-round together, though. I find my palate cleansed. This is my last opportunity to play a hand like this. And my choice to dive into the potentials of the moment so completely feels as though it honors the both of us somehow. I allow myself to wonder exactly how long Alistair will stand around at the airport until he gives up on me. How long will he pace in our hotel room waiting for me to appear? How long will it take for him to realize that the real game began while he was jacking himself off in that tiny airport bathroom? My pussy is fucking soaking now. This was a good choice. While Reg turns on his own phone to notify his driver of the landing, I deliberately leave mine on airplane mode. I want Alistair to foam at the mouth just long enough to bring him to his knees. I plan to break the silence before his ground controls are turned over to his own defense mechanisms, but I know that I'm playing a dangerous game right now. But the decision has been made, so I push all of those thoughts from my head and refocus again on Reg. Gripping his arm in mock curtsying, I accept his offer in full and we move as a unit into the teeming labyrinth that awaits us beyond the gate. Reg navigates the airport proper with practiced aplomb. I'm grateful to have him by my side. Despite coming from a large metropolis myself, I can easily suffocate in the piles upon piles of people all bustling around with their feelings swelling to a roar. It's an overwhelming place for someone who feels everything, and it's all too new to me. I can't walk a well-carved path I've already created. In my own city, I have places where I know I can slip between the pages and hide long enough to breathe clean air that tastes of only me. But I've only visited London once. With Richard, in fact. And he never took me to see that damn Rosetta Stone, despite promising me he would when he planned the trip. It's funny that all these years later, that same broken promise unlocked an entirely new door. Feeling extraordinary gratitude for both the present and the past, I wrap my arm in Reg's, at long last feeling safe in the company of one so sturdy and dependable. For now, I simply coast, enjoying my quivering pussy as Reg navigates me through the fray. It's a novel kind of matting crowd here, at my heels and in my face. Everyone knows where they wish to go, except for me. I feel everything swirling around me and catch myself falling for a moment, away from myself and into an old familiar land of panic and fear. Grabbing with white knuckles onto the saving grace of my breath, I follow the air in and out, up and down, until those white knuckles start fading to pink. I then move my focus to Reg's body and start following it instead. As I do, I notice that his hands are slowing the quivering inside of me the one that started when I chose to bait Alistair. Reg is shifting my pussy pulses into a gentle rhythm that's lulling me into relaxation. My cunt becomes the very cloud that I float on as he guides me along my way with that self-assured hand of his, gently hovering at the small of my back. 
Before I know it, we're outside in the fresh air. I can feel sunshine warming my panicked face, and by turning my eyes towards the sky, I again find infinite space to hold everything all at once. Much like the expanse my garden offers me at home, that glimpse of sky through my upturned view puts everything back into perspective. Nothing is ever too large in that frame. The air is different here, and everything is wet from rain, but for now the clouds have parted. The sunshine is a gift. One I view as a positive omen. At long last, I am once again grounded. Turning towards the car that's pulled up beside Raj, I watch a kindly older man climb out to greet my guardian with the most congenial of hand bumps. After being introduced as a new friend and garnering an equally warm reception, life finds us all coasting down the road towards a place that is most definitely not my and Alistair's hotel. As the driver and Reg dive into a flurry of conversational updates, I sense my opportunity. Switching on my phone and silencing everything that starts blaring at me, I send Alistair the briefest of texts through the buzzing vibrations. Off with Reg. Wait for me in the room. Naked. Cockring. Jacket. Bitch. I'm not exactly sure when I'll be able to make it back there to verify his obedience, but that matters little. I secretly packed a pair of my own silk panties in the zipper pocket of his suitcase, just in case we got separated along the way. I always strive to be well prepared. One way or another, Alistair will be wearing them for his interview tomorrow morning. A frilly little thing with a silky pouch that'll stroke his balls and a string-like thong that'll creep up his ass through the entire event. The last thing we need is for Alistair to fall back on those nasty, pompous habits of his. After all, the man they want in command is the one who's comfortable enough with himself to play bitch in my panties. When all is said and done in the boardroom, Alistair will head back to the hotel room. And no matter how this evening plays out, I can guarantee you that I will be waiting for him. Nothing can stand in my way. Business now settled, I immediately turn my phone back off. I categorically refuse to leave Alistair with any potential avenue of harassment. He will either wait for me or he won't. There's nothing I can do about it, and no matter of additional contact will change the course. Knowing Alistair as I know him, though, I imagine he'll be waiting for me, simmering, trying my phone every few minutes, torturing himself with the sound of my voicemail clicking on, his seething cock hard as a rock in his hand, holding his breath while he dials and then trying not to come all over himself when that recorded voice of mine resounds in his ear once again. In the end, Alistair has proven himself to be such a good boy. He couldn't find one more loyal or obedient, and certainly not more pathetic. As soon as I texted him, my pussy began fluttering in that desperate rhythm again, the agitation rising up through my bones. I want Reg to put his hand back on me and slow me down. I need that hypnotic beat that extinguishes this turbulence. So I turn my attention back towards him. He immediately notices the subtle shift in my winds and wraps up his conversation with the driver. Reaching over and placing his hand on my thigh, he leans across me, using his other hand to gesture out the window at a spot of interest. 
I confess that I don't even hear his words. I'm so entranced by the way my inner vibrations shift under the pressure of his touch. He leans back, but leaves his hand on my thigh, exactly where he just had placed it. I put my own on top of his, running a fingernail up the back of his index finger. He returns the gesture with his own thumbnail, still seamlessly delivering his educational monologue, his eyes sparkling and his mustache reflecting the sunshine that streams through the gleaming windows around us. It's apparent that not only does Reg understand what his hands are doing to me, but he has me pegged dead to rights as a woman who could use a distraction. And what a distraction he is. Compared to your traditional travel guides, Reg knows the real stories that are far too ordinary to sell to tourists. These are, in fact, the ones I always find myself most interested in. Reg tells me about the trees, about different native plants we pass that are in bloom. He tells me about the buildings, but not in the way most would. Reg tells me how they've changed. The feelings of the areas before and after they filled up with people. He points to things that have always been no matter what, and as he flirtatiously leans across me again and again, I note the distinct change in behavior since he left the plane with me. I like Reg on his home turf, and I appreciate his stories more than he might guess. To me, London feels a bit too anachronistic to really wrap my head around. The wildly modern juxtaposed with the antiquated that's still in service challenges my reality as a newcomer. It's not... Here's the new thing we built on the old thing. Instead, it's, here's the new thing next to the old thing. The new thing does things the new way, but the old thing does things the old way. It sometimes feels like time traveling when you make your way from place to place here. Step by step, you move back and forth across the city's timeline like you're a grasshopper. Big jumps all at once. I suppose it's similar to the games I play with my pizza delivery, where the line of apartment doors are actually all portals to different lands. Here, the street features numerous portals to all different times, all in action, and everything happening all at once. From the foreplay his hand and mine are enjoying as I listen to his voice rise and fall, I can tell he likes having me near. I'm not surprised. Most do. I know how to be good company, after all. And both on the surface and at my core, I am a lovely girl. It's all the layers in between that offer a little more conflict. When I'm being kind to myself, I like to think of those as my bonus layers. They don't seem to bother Reg much, though. He somehow reduces all of the disharmonies inside of me into a placid white noise, canceling out the turmoil and leaving only the purest of sensations. My body is aching for him in a way that I'm not accustomed to, and I can feel that ache echoing back at me through Reg's touch. Without a doubt, this man wants me precisely as much as I want him. And he will be having me. Soon. I can tell from his story that for most of his life, Reg has been alone in the deepest sense of the word. So many years spent laser-focused on his duty to his fellow soldiers and his own children, and when it was finally time to leave the duty behind and enjoy a well-earned life of leisure with his greatest love, she up and left the physical realm completely, leaving Reg alone with his responsibilities, now in body as well as mind. It must have been such a lonely journey for him. 
Alone is a relative term, though. In fact, being alone can be quite invigorating for the sex life. I've learned that for myself since Richard, and I'm getting the impression that Reg has learned it, too. He seems to pulse with the purest essence of masculine vitality. A far cry from the picture of a lonely man. I suddenly realize that I can't wait to see what he looks like under his dress shirt. What he looks like with his pants at his ankles. What he looks like when he's lying there, completely naked, waiting for me to climb on top of him and straddle his face or bury his cock deep within my cunt. We move further into the depths of history as we travel the winding roads, the ribbons of buildings and landscaping speeding past our windows, leading us towards a land that time has forgotten. Anachronisms are less here. In fact, Reg's place has been in his family for generations, and the area around it is similarly stationary in its own turnover. When we're dropped at the front entrance and walk through the door, I can feel the weight of the count of years vaster than anything my American-born mind can easily comprehend. Full of antiques and a pride of lineage that far outstrips anything familiar, this space has been held together with fierce regard by the spirits of his ancestors. Peering through the patchwork of history, I can find traces of his wife everywhere. Distinctly feminine touches in a more modern style. There are even pictures of her and the children scattered about. It's as though life never stopped for their twosome. At least here, he's never had to let her go. I now understand that sudden connection I felt with him a little more clearly. Both of our hearts lie tethered to the things that bring us suffering. I suffer because Richard's cruelty still haunts me long after I've driven out of range, and Rich suffers because his wife's goodness will never again play a part in his own story. We obviously understand each other at a subterranean level. Leading me down a hallway on the ground floor, he opens a door for me and gestures inside with his hand. The guest bedroom, my Alice. I hope it suits you. With that smile on his face again, he reaches for me, pulling me towards him. Our bodies are now close to one another in an all-new way. I suddenly realize that I've been holding my breath, and my pussy is holding hers, too. Even her hypnotic beep has stopped in its tracks. All is still. Settle yourself in. The conservatory is down the hall. I'll be waiting for you there. And then he lets me go. Time resumes its steady click, and my pussy starts up her bass drum once again. My eyelids fluttering against my will, I find myself unable to do anything but smile back at him and nod. When the door shuts, I have to shake my head to get it to clear. Taking a good look around me, I realize that the opulent furnishings are limited to the thick drapes and a canopy bed fit for a queen, dripping with piles of sumptuous velvet pillows. Other than that, the room is sparse, featuring a tin wash basin on a simple table and a winged reading chair with a gold light curving overhead. No personal effects at all, which, incidentally, gives me just the insight I was searching for. This is a room free of the past. Locked away from it, in fact. Anyone given access to this room has little more than a hotel offers. Possibly less, now that I think about it. Usually the hotel has a Bible, Sterile and clean, far away from anything that could remind him of the life that exists outside of this room. 
This must be the room where he fucks the women he brings home. I start wondering if this was ever a maid's quarters in its history, where illicit love affairs would have secret rendezvous, or maids would get fucked by their masters, all of them trying to catch a few minutes alone in this secret space, away from the power structure and the watchful eyes of all who occupy this house, both living and dead. The idea fits like a worn leather driving glove. It feels right for this London I'm in right now, with the new and old on top of each other. That reminds me, Rich and I are gonna be on top of each other soon. It makes me wanna get moving. Walking up to the basin, I notice the pitcher is full of fresh water. I marvel at how Reg managed that one without my notice. Perhaps a housekeeper was also notified of the impending house guest. She's probably used to Reg's ways by now. He's been alone long enough. Splashing some of the cold water on my face, I revel in the icy surge and strip off my traveling clothes. Standing there naked in the sterile room, I can't help but take a step back, wondering what my life has become. I laugh softly to myself, at myself, because what else is there to do at times like these? I soak the washcloth in the water and finding a small bar of decorative soap that's clearly never been used before, I send out a silent thanks to my angelic imaginary housekeeper. I give myself a whore's bath that's more symbolic than practical, baptizing my armpits and my cunt and my ass. Washed anew in a healing space and far away from Alistair and his expectations, I feel so refreshed that I almost hate getting dressed. A piece of me just wants to collapse onto the bed and bury into these soft ruby-colored blankets. To forget about everything that came before and all that will come after. I crave the sleep of the innocent, so I must fear that I am damned. I allow myself a moment to lie back, closing my eyes and taking another deep breath. Inhaling every bit of energy I can gather and exhaling all of the exhaustion. My fingers move down to my pussy feeling the wetness already seeping from her, despite how well I washed and dried her with my little guest washcloth. As I exhale again, I pull the wetness up to my clit, the pressure making me gasp. I'm about to come and I haven't even touched this man yet. I grant myself one more breath to fill myself with clarity and then I force myself to stand upright again. Rummaging through my bag, I come upon an older little black dress that I've always traveled with. It's another one of the precious artifacts of the history of Alice, unwittingly saved by the dry cleaners from Richard's path of destruction. No matter what Reg may have in store for me today, this dress is guaranteed to be perfectly appropriate. That's its specialty. Quintessentially dressy or casual, depending on the company around me and my own shoe selection. It's taken me to fancy dinners and casual brunches, walks in the woods and picnics and parks, bustling galas and quiet movies on a living room couch. Coupled with my combat boots and leather jacket, it's even found its home in some of the darker scenes, the ones that required running at top speed or kicking some metaphorical ass. Clearly, I'll be well prepared for any and all potentialities of the evening. Funnily enough, save my silk patchwork kimono, everything inside of my travel bag is all black. Back in my apartment, as I folded the items I had gathered in preparation for this trip, 
I realized the darkness in my unconscious mind had found a way to display itself on the surface. Accepting the wardrobe choices for what they were, a pre-morning of the death to come. I packed it all anyway. Although Alistair may not acknowledge the feeling yet, I know that this is our ending. Allowing my physical form to display the morning within may help my mind escape from the more painful thoughts. It's all one after all, both mourning and the things we mourn. Holding both at once, one in body and one in mind, can make for a softer transition. If you can handle the pain, the appreciation of what's still here will become too strong to abandon, filling your mouth with melancholy, but keeping you alert and awake for all of those final moments. You can't possibly kick yourself afterwards for missing them. I finished dressing myself, but without a mirror, it's difficult to do much besides trust my natural beauty. I'm lucky, though. That strategy often leaves us more beautiful than all the primping and preening. There's a certain confidence that comes with a lack of interest in mirrors that can transcend the need for approval, shining an even brighter light from within. As I make my way down the hall, every footstep travels up through my body and increases the pressure on my cunt. It leaves me feeling weak and heady in the most exhilarating of ways. There's a lurking desire in me, desperate to prolong this affair with Reg, to avoid beginning whatever will come to pass once I return to the land of Alistair. This British sidebar is but a welcome distraction on my weary road. Yes, I can use him as a tool, but I'm also beginning to wonder if I conjured him up to escape. At the end of the hall are a pair of large transparent double doors that obviously lead to the aforementioned conservatory. I open one of them, surprised by its weight. It's easy to forget how heavy something so clear can be. I'm immediately hit by a slightly humid wash of air. It tastes cleaner than anything else in this place. Instead of smelling like history, this is the perfume of new life. My eyes land on a plate of scones and a tea service on a silver platter that are sitting in the middle of a low wooden table. Then I notice Reg, seated across from the quintessentially British tableau. I tilt my head at it, scrunching my nose in a ladylike snort as I take the seat across from him. Well, don't you clean up quite nicely, my Alice. As do you. And I mean it. Reg in his natural habitat is a very fine thing indeed. He couldn't look more comfortable right now, surrounded by plants and sunshine with his dress sleeves rolled up, his tie loosened, and a bottle of whiskey nestled cozily next to him in his leather chair. Need something extra in that, dear. Dutlag is a nasty beast. I can agree with that, lifting a delicate teacup and filling it with tea from the pot. I offer it to Reg, inviting him to add a healthy swill from his nearby bottle. I bring the mixture to my lips eagerly. The caustic odor of the alcohol burns the back of my throat and nose before I've let a drop even touch my lips. Against the thin bone china, it's such a juxtaposition. It does exactly what it was intended to do. It wakes me up. With a quiet moan of approval, my shoulders drop at least an inch as I relax arriving fully into the present moment with Reg. As we sit there, quietly sipping our tea, my gaze wanders the room, dipping into details at my leisure. I can feel both of us savoring the tension of the silence, 
as though our souls are circling one another, appraising their partners for the dance with delicate anticipation. The moments stretch out, becoming the tense bowstrings of the lyre of life, and everything between us is converted into the most erotic of games, licking my fingers free from the crumbs of the scones, the pressure of my lips against the teacup, the way his eyes stay on me, always on me. I can feel his spotlight burning my flesh, He's seen enough of what's around us, enough to last a lifetime. I'm the real attraction here. Finished with our provisions, Reg takes the cue. Folding my hand into the crook of his outstretched arm, he begins to escort me through his massive home, wandering the winding hallways in a curiously circuitous route, stopping aimlessly to show me items that at first glance seem to be of little consequence. But once again, this tour guide has the real stories. These are the ones you couldn't sell because no one would be interested in them. But I am. Buried deep within them, I find a source of present comfort in the things he shows me through the stories. His children, his wife, his career and his service, his breadth of knowledge and the landscape of his heart. None of these show even a trace of imbalance. For once in the sphere of my orbit, I can find no problems to solve. I feel safe next to this man. As he putters along the tour in that pleasing tone of his, internally, I begin calling all of the weight of tending to Alistair, asking the burden of healing him and keeping such a single-minded focus to settle itself into my hands. He's occupied my thoughts every minute of every day since I began this game, waking, sleeping, it doesn't matter. He's always there in the back of my mind, right alongside Richard. But while I may never be able to truly escape the ghost of Richard, I know that Alistair is different. I can drop him. So that's exactly what I plan to do. I can feel the density collecting right now in my palms. My hands are full of the things I've been carrying for Alistair. So I stretch my fingers wide allowing everything contained within to clatter its way out, careening into the darkness beneath me. I trust they'll come back soon enough. It's unfinished business, after all. That always finds you, no matter how many times you drop it, nor how well you hide yourself in the times in between. Now I can feel an entirely new kind of stillness settle itself around us. Here, there's only the gentle rolling thunder of my cunt under Reg's command, melting the shell around me and freeing me to feel the air on my skin. When I'm near him, touching him, I'm breathing life in its purest form. Reg is solid and stable, like the old oak tree from my childhood backyard that took all my tears and all of my confusion and rage holding me in its arms while I ate my cinnamon toast and read and reread my tattered paperbacks, waiting for the tears to dry. That tree never stopped loving me or protecting me from harm. And that tree kept all of my darkest secrets. But this man in front of me also feels as immeasurable as the redwoods that towered over me, watching all as I wandered the west coast offering a place above the muck and the mire where I could rest my battle-torn mind. From there, I can stretch out time to a place where my worries are no longer a part of me. They all become so small that they practically disappear. 
What better proof is there that this man understands me? Our vibrations are in tune. In this relaxation, I find a part of me again wondering what actually spawned this pairing. Perhaps a well-earned calm before the storm, where I can recharge and prepare for the final battle. It feels kind of like a quantum save point where you can fill up your etheric health meter. Ripped straight out of those role-playing video games, my nephews always wanted me to watch them play during my rare visits back to Georgia. Is it a reward? That seems too good to be true. I can feel my hackles raise. My self-defense mechanisms refuse to go down without a fight. My pussy even starts up her quivering and quaking. That old rhythm of hers, the one born of Alistair and our all-pervasive game. My mind is telling me that this could be a trick. A trap to ensnare me, luring me into the warmth of this womb to forget my duty. An insipid bit of Alistair's self-destruction, even. Conjuring another guardian at the gate and trying to shirk the final confrontation. Just like me. Avoiding the ending. That quivering in my cunt speeds up. Enough for me to scream through my psyche, cutting through all the noise with the fuck it. Alistair can't control me like this, nor can anyone or anything else. All is well here, and this is a gift. There is no doubt in my soul. As soon as I make my inner declaration, exerting my own sovereignty over the monkey mind within, I can see a bird fly past the window. Landing on a tree branch directly beside my view of Reg, the bird begins to sing. This is my sign. Queen of the kingdom surrounding me, I need not fear anything within it. I need to sing my own song. I nod imperceptibly, more of a nod of the shell-shocked psyche, acknowledging the message. And strangely enough, the bird cocks its head at me in reply and probably flies away again. I say strangely enough, but there's actually not much strange about it. The birds of the sky became my friends during the dark days of the divorce, when misery followed me no matter where I went. I would sit in my garden and wander the park, trying to breathe clean air and rediscover a feeling of home, and they would gather themselves around me, leaving me feathers, whispering little messages on the wind for me. Even when I traveled back home to Georgia, the water birds and the ones of the southern forest still gathered around, connecting heaven and earth and bringing me the strength I so desperately needed. They've sent messages to me ever since, like Hermes, bringing signs and symbols from the gods to my own mortal eyes and ears. Reg begins leading me away, and his hand on my back now decelerates me into a hazy tempo that the scotch merely paved the way for. With empty hands and bolstered confidence, everything between the two of us begins to unfold even more naturally. After his tour commences, we retire back to the conservatory and I realize another parallel between us two. Much like I do my own garden, Reg cares about this place more deeply than he might admit, especially to a random visitor. But I want to get my hands dirty. I want to show him that I care like he does. We're no longer dark cousins in this open place. Here, we're together in the same story. So I make him an offer, and we while away the last daylight hours repotting some of his tomato plants. 
It's a simple task that allows us to lean in close to one another, drawing out that blissful tension that exists between us. As we work, the energies of his cock and my cunt swirl around us in leisurely circles. I impress him with my knowledge, and he impresses me with this natural rhythm of him and me together. It's as though we've always known each other. At this point, I'm beginning to believe that we have. Despite the unfamiliarity of his face in this lifetime, this man knows me, and I know him. You'd think the feeling of safety would turn my cunt off with its overtones of brotherly camaraderie, but it doesn't. In fact, the weapon between my legs starts morphing into something far more sensitive. A tender place that waits patiently. Less electric explosion shaking the heavens and making you scream with fear, shock, and awe. More warm bath current and the tingling of mineral waters on your skin in the hot springs. Safety and warmth all at once, clutching every inch of your body from outside, turning it in on itself and volunteering its most vulnerable parts. They come out into the light of day and rejoice, blinking their eyes as they adjust to the forgotten glare of reality. I'll confess, this erotic current is tempting me to do something I rarely risk doing. Laying down my armor. And not just that. It makes me want to throw the armor down in a fit of delight. Instead of the familiar twitching and tightening, I can feel something releasing, drenching every nerve on my skin and turning it receptive. Instead of the heat of fire, I feel cool like lying under a fan on a hot summer day, letting the refreshing balm cascade over you in waves. I haven't felt like this in so long. I can't help but surrender. Reg envelops me in his energy, knowing exactly what's about to happen, but feeling no pressure to seduce. No reason to try to respond in any particular way, or for either of us to try to impress one another. This is what was meant to happen. This man is my way station. As we move throughout the night, my shape folds in on itself over and over again, quivering and melting in the potent waiting. The housekeeper has left a welcome home meal for Reg. There's a hearty soup, a loaf of homemade bread, and some delightfully aged cheese. And a Wellington, so precise in its rustic beauty, you might mistake it for a stock photo. Once Reg begins dismantling its perfect shell, the oozing red meat at the center, surrounded by the delicate flakes of pastry, remind me too much of the battles to come and the inevitable renewing of the fight. So I turn down all but the lightest affair. It's impossible to say no to the frozen custard, though, topped with a shot of rich espresso at Reg's urging. After slipping into something more comfortable, another of Reg's welcome suggestions. I find myself carrying a cup and spoon with me as we retire to an entirely different room, burrowing in to warm ourselves at the hearth of the flickering fireplace we encounter within. Clearly he's kept himself busy while I changed. For the first time since we arrived, I find us sitting on the same chair as one another. Now in oversized sweatpants and a cut-off wife beater, I'm sure the sight of my heart nipples belies the warmth of the flickering flames. My hair is up in a messy top knot, 
my bare feet are tucked beneath me. Wedge lent me one of his jumpers to protect my dress when we were moving those tomato plants. It smelled cozily of him. Right now it's wrapped around me and falling off my shoulders and Reg can clearly see the side of the swell of my breast through the armholes of my tank as I sit, turned towards him, clutching my cup and pulling out the increasingly less frozen spoonfuls from underneath the steaming dark bitters. Fuck. Even the custard tastes like sex at this point. I don't know how we're both still sane, having drawn out the thing that comes before to a length of this magnitude. I can smell the wood as it burns, and the crackling sounds like fireworks that manifest in the light that flickers against Reg and makes that dapper fucking mustache twinkle. I haven't felt this safe in years. As luck would have it, I'm a messy eater. I'm not nearly as glamorous as my sex appeal would lead you to believe. When I take another bite, he leans over towards me, wiping at a bit of cream that's been left behind on the side of my lip. Reg lingers for half a beat longer than necessary, and there it is. At long last, we've finally reached the precipice. Reg holds us steady there, tilting us back and forth and stretching the seconds out as slowly and languorously as the dancing taking place in my cut. Turning my head, I take us over the edge, and as he brushes against me, I can feel the sensations from every hair on my face as I move, ending when his finger is on the middle of my bottom lap. Then I lick the drop clean, using just the tip of my tongue. He catches my chin, just like an old-time movie, and guides my mouth up towards his. You've been a wonderfully unexpected surprise, my Alice. As of you, my Reg. And with those words, at long last, we fall into one another. Or rather, I sink underneath his skin and into his blood. Into a place where I can let go of the angles and the faces. I had forgotten what it was like to be free of the reins of spellcasting. There, with sex as my tool and my weapon... I had to keep track of everything, studying and adjusting the magic through every moment that happened. But here, I can remember. With Reg, I can give without agenda and receive without calculation. There is nothing else but following this man to the places he will take me. As he slips his jumper further down my shoulders, he runs his hands back up my naked waist sliding them underneath my tank and carefully slipping it up to my neck. He leaves me there, pinning my arms slightly, as he begins his exploration of all that is Alice, starting at my swollen tits. This man handles me reverently, but with enough confidence that I'm left helpless and swooning in the palms of his hands. He'd be a dangerous weapon if he had an agenda of his own. If he did, though, I wouldn't be met with this feeling of safety, and I most certainly wouldn't dare to take off my director's hat. But I accept his offering now, letting him revive me as his mouth finds places on me that I had forgotten existed. His hands playing me like the most delicate of instruments, working me into a whirlwind where my whole body is cascading energy and my cunt is pulsing around his face. 
He leaves me floating in that cosmos until I manage to wring myself from my daze and turn my attention towards undressing him. I move down his own body with the same timeless care, licking and sucking and stroking until we've both forgotten anything outside of here. Sucking his cock gives me the most profound of pleasures, and my pussy spasms over and over again as I pump my mouth up and down around him. Without even a finger being laid upon me, I'm coming, and I ride the seemingly endless current of my orgasm as I rain my attention down on this man who I need neither heal nor fear. When there's no one demanding anything of me, the abundance pours forth endlessly as I enjoy the act of giving in a land free of schema. At some point, I can feel a piece of myself begin to dread leaving this place. It wants to stay here. Always, in the safe place where nothing can hurt me. I gently remind that little girl that clinging is where suffering is born. And she nods and fades away. I remain present in the moment that exists before the ending. I work slowly, with intention and curiosity. My mouth and my hands bring him to the edge and back down again in their own sly, hypnotizing rhythm. He holds my head in his hands, stroking my hair as I work. We circle around each other with the same effortless manner that we did earlier in the garden, giving and taking as I follow his lead in the dance of exploration. Eventually, his fingers begin tightening on my scalp, binding their way around the bulk of my mane. He wraps around his wrist, commanding me in that quiet way to rise and present myself to him. It's time for the only thing that's left between us. Getting between my legs, pushing against the slick cunt, and finding his way inside with that swollen cock of his. As he makes contact, finally touching the parts of me that have been begging for him all day, it elicits a breathy little moan from my lips. I had forgotten I could make that sound. I haven't made it since before, Richard. That noise contains only the joy of what is, the soul-affirming lust of the shaft inside of me, the gratitude for its pulsing and pushing that feeds me as it loves me, taking my mind away and walking it across a path of clouds high above everything in this world. This noise marks the moment I completely lose myself in Reg. I can hear myself now groaning and crying, but... While I can hear this man moving above me, his body giving so freely to me, his vocal cords remain silent. Reg's joy is stoic in its celebration. Opening my eyes wide now, I can see him and he can see me. Bodhisattva to Bodhisattva, rejoicing at seeing each other so plainly. Our eyes never break contact as he continues to pump inside of me. I can see the depths of his pain and he can see mine. The pain of Helen, the pain of Richard. Their story far too short, my own far too long. We both learned the ways love can move us and the ways it can torture us. It stayed with us ever since, haunting us and pushing us into our new life paths. I'm clutching at his back, digging in on either side of his spine wrapping my legs around him and trying to pour myself into him as he begins to pour himself into me. 
As his cock fills me up with his cum, we collapse into one another and are carried as one on a wave to someplace entirely new, full of a new kind of unexpected energy. Reaching down and cupping his balls, I hold him in place, deep inside of me. He's still hard, and we press against each other. The beat goes on and on. We stay together like this as we drift off to sleep. The sensation of his cock inside of me holding me steady. It gives me ballast and transports me into that sleep of the innocent I had been craving so desperately earlier today. I suppose I finally realized I deserve it. At some point in our blessed slumber, Reg moved me into his own bed. I can vaguely remember him carrying me past that sterile guest room. His cock must have been hard when he awoke. My cunt was still impaled on it, and my legs were still wrapped around him as we ascended the nearby staircase. We made love again against his own pristine sheets, the heavy wooden headboard of the bed slamming against the wall, and the flurry of down-filled blankets cascading to the floor in drifts. An urgency had awoken inside of both of us that needed to be sated before the distant promise of sunrise was fulfilled. Only once everything was scattered around us like a war zone and the picture next to the bed had fallen off the wall, startling us in the throes of our orgasms, did we finally fall asleep again. We were tangled up in each other on top of the sheet-covered mattress, surrounded by the heaps of pillows and blankets that had abandoned ship, choosing the floor as a safer resting place than next to the two of us. There was only room for him and me on that bed. We were everything together, all at once. It was the most sumptuous few hours of my entire existence. At least until that damned sunrise began to slink up against the night skyline. Opening my eyes automatically at the first sense of dawn, I find the insistent twitching that I now associate with Alistair has returned to my cunt. It has woken me up just in time to make my way back to the guest room and turn on my forgotten phone. Now that Dawn is here, it's time to wake the fuck up and return to reality. And the phone will do exactly that. Alistair's meeting is happening later, and I have to see him before he leaves the hotel room. I need to bring him his parting gift. Creeping into the cold, silent box of my own room, I shut the door behind me and feel my way towards my bag in the gray light that fills the room. Much as I expected, once I've turned my phone on, the blinking, flashing, and beeping begins, illuminating the room and sullying the air with noise after noise. An alarm for the ages that blares on and on, waking up everything inside of me, even the pieces that were trying to hide from this. By the time the phone is fully loaded, every piece of Alistair is here and reporting for duty. I don't even bother opening my messages. Instead, I send a single text to Alistair. Four simple words. I'm coming. Be ready. Switching my phone back off again, I turn on the light above the reading chair and get myself dressed for the day. Washing my face in the basin no longer feels like a baptism, but... The contrast to yesterday helps me wake up even more to the reality of this all-important day. Reg knocks on my door as I'm packing up the last of my things. He seems to understand that the sunlight has brought me a new mission. He doesn't ask questions when I refuse his offer to escort me to my next stop, but he does insist that I use his driver. 
and he fills me up a cup of fresh coffee to take on the road with me. Red says goodbye to me with his little fanfare as he says hello. But as we embrace at the car and our lips brush against each other, my cunt throbs with last night's same rolling thunder. I understand from his eyes and from the way he touches my hand when he gives me his card that I have an open invitation to return at any point. Nodding with gratitude as he shuts the door, I watch him recede through the window as I'm carried away. I don't stop looking at him until the driver turns a corner and Reg disappears from view. In the back seat of the car, behind a screen that separates me from the kind man who adores Reg as much as I do, I am finally alone. Slowly, I reassemble myself into the machine that I need to be once more. Block by block, I build my self-sustaining mech suit, protecting the fragility within and turning myself into the girl who no one can break. That girl is threatened by nothing and has all the answers in her back pocket, all because of her single-minded devotion to the present healing mission. Welcoming the layers as they begin to stack around me, I remind myself that the comfort and solace I found with Reg last night would have never survived the sunrise. Now that the day is here, there are things to do, and one person in particular that I need to take care of. The nighttime hours are the ones for personal use, where it can be safe enough to let down your guard. Back when Richard was mine and I was his, the only times I could really relax were when he was fast asleep. Whether at work or at home, and even when he was out of town, Richard found ways to stalk me. And when the demands for my attention began pouring in, I had to appear wrapped, ready and available always. And most important of all, I could never appear haunted. But at night when he slept, I could exist inside my own time and my own way. Even if I was lying there beside him, as long as I could remain silent as a mouse, I was finally allowed to be me. With my thoughts, my feelings, my tears, all in privacy. The nighttime is a sacred blessing for those who slave during the day for an unrelenting master. It is our safety. I can tell when we're approaching the hotel, even before the driver tells me as much in his subtle burl. I can already feel Alistair from blocks away, pulsating in front of me. The plaintive, keening, searching desperation growing stronger with every moment. In the shadows of the places where anger once stood, Alistair's feelings of dissatisfaction and unfairness are festering. Desperation with an edge, where he's delighted and salivating with this utter degradation. There's no playing victim in the energy I sense. My, how much this man has changed. What I can feel erupting from him right now has both the purity of a child and the wisdom of an adult. This is the signature of an adult playing a game, consciously choosing to play a child once more. My cunt starts up her own childish keening in response echoing and amplifying his own call, wanting his mouth on her. She wants to drown him in everything she took from Reg last night. My skin is vibrating with such intensity that I worry the driver can feel it in the front of the car. 
But as we pull up and I gather my things, bidding farewell to the kind man behind the wheel, he doesn't give any indication that he noticed at all. Holding my hand in his, he tells me in the most sincere manner that he hopes to see me again soon. He says it would be good for Reg. Taking that as another auspicious sign that things are falling into place somehow, I make my way back into the hotel lobby through the revolving glass doors, noting my reflection as I enter. I dressed myself this morning in the soiled black dress from yesterday to prove a point. While I may have worn sweats half the time, and when I was naked I was tangled in a fulfilling kind embrace, that isn't quite what Alistair is looking for. As an enchantress, I need to use charms of raw sex and filth. And this dress, filled with all of yesterday's sexual tension, pushing and pulling, then dragged back over my sweaty morning after body, is quite the way to create an illusion. When Alistair sees it, smells it, he won't be able to help but wonder about all that he has missed in the past day. Has my whole life been reduced down to these parlor tricks? What have I become? Shaking off these thoughts, I walk straight up to the front desk with my head held high. My name was on the room, so it should be a simple transaction to fetch my key and begin my ascent towards Alistair's lair and his waiting cock. As I take the card from her, the blonde woman behind the desk smiles in a judgmental way, making me wonder if she was the one on duty last night. I wonder if she's spoken to the other half of this room and what she might think is happening right now. But it matters little. Only one man can stop the endless screaming in my gunt, so I have no trouble letting this woman slip back into my oblivion. The ride up the elevator turns my stomach, and I have to hold my palm against the mirrored wall to steady myself in that moment where the elevator stops rising, that moment where there's no gravity and time stands still. And it's here, in this moment, that I find the final break before the ending. I acknowledge it, and then simply let it go, just like the blonde woman's judgment. Opening my eyes, the elevator doors move in time with my lids, as though they're connected to one another. Taking off my shoes first, I make my way down the opulent hallway, my heels tossed in the bag that's slung over my shoulder. I can feel the carpet underneath my bare feet and have to dig in my toes to ground myself as the waves of energy cascading out from the room that must be ours grow thicker and heavier until even sounds begin to carry differently. Listening carefully and moving lightly, not making a noise myself, I can now hear and smell and even taste the people behind each door. But I know that I haven't found my Alistair yet. I can feel him at the end of the hallway, waiting for me. Approaching him is like stepping into a thick cloud of humidity, almost a solid wall. It reminds me of Savannah walking outside in the late summer after the rains. The air there was so heavy that you had to swim through it cutting through the stagnation with your own bodily force. I begin to wonder if Alistair can feel me too, despite my efforts towards silence. Can he feel me moving towards him, coming ever closer? Can he feel when my hand touches our door? Can he feel the mechanical click of my key triggering the lock? 
I begin to cough as I open the door and step inside our space for the first time, literally choking on the heat and the desire. It's like a sauna resonating from wall to wall. This essence is the one that I came here for. Walking through the dim light of the room, I ignore everything but the curtain covering the window. Pulling it aside in one fluid motion, I drench the room in light. It cuts through the unbearable thickness, but the heat still somehow escalates. I now turn towards the bed and lay my eyes upon Alistair. Finally, this is my man. He spread out across it, waiting patiently with his cock ring in place. I imagine he's clenching his teeth as it throbs painfully against him, cutting into him. His body must be a tangle of nerves and waiting by this point, with an intensity belied by how weak and fragile he currently appears. I can tell he hasn't slept a wink. This obedient little bitch hasn't even washed himself, and his unkempt stubble is a shadow against his face. His eyes are quivering and his pupils are dilated and the vein beneath the right one is pulsing in time with the twitching of his cock. His absurdly expensive silk boxers are starched stiff with all of the cum that's leaked its way out of his dick while he's waited, convulsing and trembling for the return of his Alice. I'm so fucking proud I can barely stand it. This is a man who has learned to steal himself within a world of inferiority and debasement. He's found the source of his strength in here and couldn't be more ready for his upcoming battle in the boardroom. Alistair is ready to take his rightful place on the throne. For the first time since our eyes met on the other side of the pond, I find a king staring back at me through them. He's in tortured form, covered in sweat and filth, but this man is nevertheless royalty. Well done, my pet. You've been a good boy. I can feel the clock ticking in my cunt, letting me know that it's time to pull the king to the surface. Alistair needs to look as royal without as he does within. So I take his hand and lead him into the bathroom, then drop my clothes to the floor and pull my toiletry bag from my satchel. Opening the shower door, I step inside the cold marble box, turning on both of the faucet heads and adjusting them to point towards the center. I undress Alistair as the steam fills the room, and then guide him underneath the spray. I rub every inch of his body with my loofah, spreading his ass cheeks apart, caressing his swollen balls and sudsing up his tortured cot, the bubbles leaving trails down his inner thighs. I use the spray nozzle to drench him, and then begin tackling his hair, fingernails against his scalp, then my tongue and my teeth against his neck. As I watch his eyes roll up into the back of his head in ecstasy, I remember that Alistair needs a shave. So I drag my own razor against his stubbled jaw, leaving the pink of naked flesh in its wake. The intimacy of this act is remarkably similar to the closeness with Reg that I enjoyed last night, but Alistair's cock keeps my pussy twitching with the flames of a friction-driven beat that is all him, no matter how smooth that razor is currently leaving his skin. After I dry him off, I coat him from head to toe with lotion, using my own naked form to massage it in. We rub against each other, moaning in whispers. I move his arms and legs when I need to. I gesture to guide him and nod approval when necessary. 
but we don't speak another word. Right now we have nothing to talk about, only things to do. He finally begins to explore my body in that space between our words. I can barely hold myself still when his slippery form starts moving down towards my cunt, making its way to find the place where Reg has left his mark. My hips are shaking by the time he pulls my legs apart. I hold my breath when his tongue makes contact with my clit and his fingers enter me, bracing myself for the impact. As expected, the taste of another man on me sets Alistair off immediately, and he begins devouring my cunt like he's an animal, making me flinch and wince as he rips into all of the parts that my night with Reg has left so tender and raw. So I flip him over instead sitting on his face and riding the smoothness of my handiwork, enjoying the last few moments before the final bell tolls. Alistair has a time limit after all, and it is fast approaching. Disentangling myself, I fetch my panties from last night off of the bathroom floor. A final touch in navy blue silk. I slip them up his thighs and the G-string tangles in his leg hair. But Alistair doesn't wince. The meager pouch offered by my thong can barely contain what's between this man's legs, and he looks both laughable and delicious all at once. Despite the clock's relentless countdown, I move slowly as I drop to my knees, taking him in my mouth as he's wrapped in my silk, using my hand to pull the panties aside. I'm moving even slower when I loosen his cock ring, and then finally remove the binding completely. When I take him back into my mouth, he finally breaks the silence by screaming my name. He devolves into groans of pain and pleasure all mixed together as he spurts down my throat in endless streams. I drink and I drink, holding him tightly against me as he pulses. As I gulp him down, I thoughtfully keep the panties away from the mess with my other hand, and when he finally collapses to his knees, empty and spent, I retire to the bathroom and warm up a clean washcloth. Bathing his cock with it moments later, I know this will be the last time I ever clean this man up. Taking a deep breath, I pull the panties back up over him and give his naked ass cheek a little spank. Then I order him to put on his suit. From the looks of the clock, Alistair now has about five minutes before his driver arrives to whisk him away from me. Once he's ready to walk out the door, he begs for my pussy again. Just one more little taste of all the fun I had without him. I can feel a reluctance pulling within me, an unwillingness to share Reg and the precious things that I gained from him. But I ignore it completely. In my role, I don't get to choose between the things I want to share and the things I want to keep to myself. I may have free will, but there's only one choice I can make that will allow me to sleep well at night. And I'd like to sleep well without needing Reg's cock as my mast. So I spread my legs again for Alistair, allowing him to take one more deep dive with his tongue. I glanced down at his pants, watching his cock immediately spring up again with the taste of this new lover in my cunt. If we had more time together, I could see us entertaining ourselves through the long, dark winter season with a strange, sick, guess-who kind of erotica. 
where incorrect answers result in spankings and abandonment and correct answers get fucked. Picking and choosing who is who and where they've drenched me. But we don't have that kind of time anymore. Such is the way of the world. We do not choose when we cross paths, nor when we part ways. Life unfurls itself naturally, no matter what other plans we may want to hold. And this is the end for us. Alistair straightens himself in the mirror, and I wipe his mouth with my thumb, licking it clean afterwards. I fix the back of his collar for him on his way out the door. In his power suit and his lucky tie, with a little pocket square that brings out the sparkle in his eyes. This man looks so damn handsome. No longer just an Armani ad, Alistair has become three-dimensional. He practically jumps off the page. He's just as easy on the eyes as the day I met him and commands just as much presence with his style. But now he's pulsing with a vibrant vitality that he never had before. I wonder how much of it has to do with that navy G-string creeping up his ass crack and reminding him in every moment of exactly who he is at his core. Those panties, soaked in cum from last night and now wrapped around his own cock, are a welcome reminder that he is mine, but I am never his. Sitting in a space like that, with your ego so damn small, you're impervious to insults. No one can touch you. Spanking Alistair one final time, I tell him to knock them dead. And I have no doubt that he will. I'll be here until then, waiting patiently for his return. <laughs>